Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. If you can check off the box when you go to sleep at night, that I did exactly what I was supposed to do today to internally check in and say, did I do something to help the world? Did I help people work through something? Did I use my talents and gifts to make the world a better place? And do I, am I proud of myself and my work? Like if you can say those things at the end of the day, who gives a shit if you got anything in your bank account? What's missing isn't a notification or a hashtag that says ad or sponsored or whatever. What is missing is trust. And so for me, I feel like my audience really trusts me and I really trust them. And I also have an allegiance to them where I don't do work with brands or things that I don't like. The second I have like a flat tummy lollipop in my mouth, the credibility for everything else goes out the window. Hey guys, I am so excited about this week's episode. My guest is Janae Alexander, who is an entrepreneur, lifestyle personality, writer, speaker, and wellness expert based in Brooklyn, New York. She is no BS, as you can tell from the preview, and she is all about empowering people to be better through positive thinking, active change, self-love, and a lot of laughing and curse words along the way. You may know her from her Instagram posts where she's eating pizza in a bathtub, or you might be one of those people who started following her back in the bikini body guide days, which I found out in this episode she hated. Anyway, she owns a successful event planning company, has a YouTube channel, is writing a book, and is creating a podcast as well. She hates kale and loves Malbec and loves beauty products and has a very phenomenally inspiring sense of style. And she's just such a master when it comes to makeup as well. I'm very inspired whenever I see her post to take it to the next level. But we're really connected. I'll tell you how we met in the podcast itself. And we're really connected on a long train ride that we shared together after speaking on the same panel. And I was mind blown by Shanae's approach to collaborating with brands and making money and not being a control freak and building your team and really learning how to delegate. She is such a badass in standing up for your rights and standing up for what you're worth as a woman. And sneak peek, spoiler alert, she is interested in being in politics later in her life. Enjoy this episode, and I have a couple of announcements to make before we dive in. Number one, I am leaving for Guatemala tomorrow, and I will be spending some time with local communities who grow cacao. My cacao episode is one of the most popular ones of all time, and so is my YouTube video, and so is my blog post. And your interest in this medicine that I am so into is blowing me away. So I'm creating my own cacao product. So stay tuned for that. I'll be posting updates if I have internet on Breakfast Criminals and on Woken Wired Instagram accounts. My second announcement is that this week I am a featured guest on the Flower Lounge podcast by Katie Hess of Lotus Way and probably is my favorite interview so far. And if you're into 
a fresher approach to social media and really seeing it as a platform for empowered storytelling. And you want to know a little bit more about my story and what I'm up to these days, check that out. And lastly, I'm posting way more updates on my YouTube channel as well. If you want to look at us recording this interview, there's actually a video of that, or at least some outtakes of this interview where you can watch our faces and holding crystals and taking the mushroom elixirs and flower elixirs that we're talking about on camera. So you can check out my YouTube channel by searching Xenia Breakfast Criminals. I'm going to link everything in the show notes at wokeandwire.com. And as usual, if you enjoy this podcast, please just pause here for a second before you dive in and take a moment to leave it a rating, leave a review, and share it with a friend that you might think could benefit from it. I really appreciate it. That's really the best way to support the podcast at this point. Thank you for being here with me and go get inspired. This is an amazing episode. Here we are. So I met you, Shanae, about four or five years ago at a wellness influencer brunch. Can't believe it. When we sat at a table, it was a little bit awkward, but didn't really, like, no one really kind of knew each other. And then I just decided to ask everyone around the table, what are you working on and what's your vision and where are you going with what you're doing? Because everyone was talking about being an influencer. Everyone was a blogger. And I said I want to work with Virgin and Richard Branson, still working on that, getting closer for sure. Hey, oh, Shanae said, <laughs> I want to work with Adidas. I'm going to be an Adidas ambassador. And boom. Three years later, I'm still an Adidas ambassador. So that I'm on my third year of working with them, which is like an incredible gift. And it feels like a definite pinch me moment. But I think the bigger pinch me moment is that I still am friends or am talking to almost every single person that sat at that table four or five years ago which I think is like speaks to much more than what we've accomplished. But the fact that we're all still in community with each other, that is pretty cool. Mm. It's really cool. Like, I think the fact that I'm sitting here with you in your house recording this is like such a full circle thing of like, you can go on all these journeys in your life, but you kind of always come back to this place of where you began. And, And that was like really one of my first you know, quote unquote influencer things. I I was a baby and I remember following you and being like, oh my God, this, this chick, she has like millions of followers. I mean, I mean, in my mind, no, 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 but, but at that time, you know, I was so in awe of what you were doing. And I was like, wow, she's like, she's like a big shot. And I remember just being like, wanting to pick your brain about it, but it's cool that we're here. Mm. No, I'm picking your brain about it. I know we're picking each other's brain about it. (laughs) So, this is what I traditionally do is I'm going to read your Instagram bio and you're going to tell me what you actually do. Great. So your Instagram profile says, Shanae Alexander, NYC, lifestyle, womanhood, badassery, YouTube and Twitter links. I'll be your friend, make you feel good and recommend the perfect red lip. That's right. Lipstick emoji. Lipstick emoji. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a hard time describing what, I do. I'm sure you do too, because we do a lot of things, but I think I'm just in the business of, of hopefully changing the world in a positive direction. And that seems lofty and big, but I think that's okay. And so basically it spans from doing social, but I'm also working on my own podcast, a book, 
do speaking things as you. We were actually on a panel together not too long ago, which was amazing in Boston. Was that in Boston? In Boston. Yeah. That's when like, I really we? fell in love with Sinead on a train ride back after a run to Whole Foods. Yeah. We just like ate lunch and rode a bus together or train together. And it's really a bonding moment when you ride public transit. And the great thing is we live a block apart. Which hasn't influenced how often we see each other. But now it will because I know where you live. <laughs> which sounds creepy if you take this as a clip. But yeah. So basically just working in all different kind of like types of media to kind of preach the same message of helping women be kind of like the best version of themselves. How, so I assume for you, it started with helping yourself be the best version of yourself because you really started in the fitness community, bikini body guide. If you guys know that Kayla Itzenes, that sort of became a platform for a lot of women to grow your following, grow your community and create a personal brand. Just like Jara, a few episodes earlier, Jara Bean, if you guys want to check that out, she's a mutual friend as well. So how did you get into that and how has it evolved since? So it's funny. I actually started my Instagram account because, not because of the Bikini Body Guide. I ended up doing that only for 12 weeks, but I actually, yeah. I thought of you as a Bikini Body Guide girl. No, I started my Instagram account actually because I was interviewing for a job at ClassPass in social media. So I started a fitness account just to show them like, hey, I'm like, cool, I have a fitness account. And I had 300 followers at the time of the interview. And they were like, we cannot hire you based on this. And I was like, fair enough. And so I didn't get the job, but I kept posting because I really enjoyed the, like, it was such a strange thing to talk to women around the world, even if it was only 300, about their lives and about, especially about their like fitness wellness journeys. And I've never been like, basically, I just got like mushrooms dripped into my mouth and I've never, I don't do that. But it's been amazing because I've been able to be in the wellness community and learn so much from people like you, but also be like, hey guys, a couple weeks ago, I post me to Taco Bell for $40 to my apartment, you know? So it's like, how do you be in this community and also be one foot out? And so and that's also always- eat pizza in your bathroom. Yeah. And that's always been who I am. And, and I think the great thing is it's like, I found a way to live harmoniously online with lots of other people that span all different kind of wellness tracks. But yeah, when I started, it was a regular fitness account. And then I did BBG because I thought it was interesting. And I've always just lifted weights and I'd never really done that sort of exercise. And I ended up hating it. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I hated it. Dreaded every moment of it. Hated it. I hated the focus on like how you looked and your progress visually. I hated it so much. It was, it made working out like not fun for me. And so I quit it and I was like, how do you talk better about stuff like this? You know, and how do you make friends that aren't just interested in the fitness part of your life or your transformation or what's in your smoothie, but also like, how's your career? What are you doing for the world? Like, what are your beliefs? Like, what are you made out of? And so that's been a really cool departure to go from being strictly fitness to going through that kind of bikini body craze. And then really kind of built my following now into like a lifestyle brand, mm. which is so fun. Mm. So, you know, it's easy to say, now I'm going to pivot. I'm going to stop being a food blogger and start being a lifestyle content creator or thought leader or influencer, whatever you call that. But it's another thing to actually take the daily actions it takes to make that pivot and to trust 
through all the tribulations of losing followers, losing credibility in some ways, you know, people being like, what? I thought I'm here for this. Right. Talking about pizza. Come, you know. So (laughs) what actions did you specifically take? And was there strategy behind it? Did you have someone Mm -hmm. on board helping you? You know, the only strategy I've ever had with building my social following and also just my personal brand is like every day, day in, day out, do whatever you want to do. And the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, if no one likes it, you will be happy with the thing you created because it came from you. And the thing that I kind of risked was like, this is not who I am fully. Like fitness, wellness is 20 to 30% of my life. And there was so much more to who I was. And the thing is, is I wanted to tell women there is so much more than, than that to who you are and allow people to have the freedom to be these like multi-layered, multifaceted individuals. And it was like me saying, I'm going to share all of me because I want you to also share all of you. And what has been so fun is to see people message me now, like three years later, being like, I started following you back in like BBG days. And like, I basically grew up with you, you know? And that's been like, I'm like, why are you still here? <laughs> it's like being a reality TV star, but with two, two straight communication. Yeah. And well, and what's really fun is like having people have been watching you every day and have been reading your words every day. And you talk to, I have people that I've literally talked to probably every day for the last two years online. And I've never met them. And that is like, what? And I don't just ever ask. How do you set those boundaries? Because at some point, probably a lot of people reach out and say, after like two years of messaging, DMing every day, it must be like, hey, like, do you want to meet up for yeah. coffee? You- I, I try. It gets a lot of, you know, of, of, of time. And I have to also protect my time and what I'm doing. But I think the wonderful thing is, is I do meetups when I travel a lot. And I love doing meetups here in New York. And the, the the secret that I'm not telling anybody except for on this podcast is I don't have meetups because I want people to meet me. I do want to meet people, but the reason I have meetups is so people can meet each other because I think it's really hard for women to make friends as an adult, especially if you don't, I mean, I mean, you know, you don't go to a workplace every day, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not part of an office or some sort of like office type community, it's really hard to make friends. And like, we're scared of making friends as adults because you're like, I don't want to come off too strong or they're going to think I'm strange or whatever. And what these meetups allow people to do is say, we have this weird common connection of like, we were brave enough to come see this person that we only know online. And then what is so beautiful is watching these friendships flourish. I was actually doing a speaking thing at at a skincare event. And a girl was there and she came up to me and she's like, I met my best friend three years ago at your meetup. And she's like, I just wanted you to know she's moving to New York this week and we're going to be roommates. And I'm like, I'm going to get emotional about it. But like, that's the kind of stuff like women actually interacting and actually being deep with one another. That thing that we have is so compelling and you have to bottle it and you have to, you have to make it happen as much as you possibly can. So starting next month, I'm going to be having monthly meetups that are just run by me. And it's a consistent group of people that want to come together. And whoever wants to come can come. And yeah, it's just going to be a time for people to get out of their comfort zone, be brave, and make friends, hopefully. Mm. Do you ever, I mean, do you get run, I mean, you must get run into in New York and people want to talk to you. Usually after yoga, when my hair is all greasy and I'm not wearing the best pants, 
Someone comes up to me and says, oh, you're breakfast girl. I saw, I saw your post yesterday. You just have like massive crotch sweat. You're like, cool. Yeah, I'm that person on the internet. Or <laughs> well, I'm not. Very no, cool. You're making a mistake. No, no. I have a very recognizable face, but no. <laughs> People tell me that a lot, actually. People tell me a lot that they've seen me before. I get that every single day. Really? And I used like to strangers? Think, yes. And I used to say... Well, I just have a recognizable face, but now I'm realizing it's people have seen me like in press or Instagram, they just don't put the two. Together. Now you're like, oh yeah, no, they actually have seen your face. <laughs> don't want to be, just flip your hair and be like, you totally have seen me on Instagram. <laughs> so for you, you know, your community, your work is built in being vulnerable and being courageous, sharing yourself. What did it take? And, you know, by doing that, you're creating the space for other women to feel more brave and present and comfortable and connected. What did it take from you to take that leap of sharing more of your life and being more vulnerable? It's, it's a big deal. It takes a lot of energy power. I think it was the, the main thing I had to, to do and to get over was getting over the fact that I was worried that people wouldn't care. And I think that's for all of us. It wasn't so much of like a leap of like, oh, I'm going to share this or I'm sure that. But it's like getting over the internal fear that people don't care about what we have to say when we speak vulnerably about ourselves. And I had to really push past that and just say like, I'm going to share things about myself because I'm a public person. I've always been that way. Like even when I was a little girl, I was really open and free and confident and never been really worried about people's judgment, but I worried on a social platform, like would they even want to hear this? And then what is the beautiful thing about vulnerability is that it begets vulnerability. You know, like as soon as you share something, it's like this emotional diarrhea. Am I allowed to say diarrhea? Yes, we're going to make it explicit. Explicit rated. Um, Great. I love an explicit podcast. But it's this emotional diarrhea of like, now I have to tell you this thing about me. And it's been this practice, you know, and I call it a practice because every time you want to share something about yourself, you do feel this sensation welling up in you of like, what if people don't accept this? What if people don't want to hear this? And then every time just tamping it down and being like, if people don't want to hear this, that's not on me. Mm. Like what I'm called to do is to share. It's not, it's not our business how people accept what we have Mm. to offer the world. You know, it's our business to share it and to be truthful. And so for me, what was not truthful was keeping back some things and protecting an image. And it's funny because I actually did an interview recently because uh, I had mentioned that I eventually want to run in politics. And what? yeah, which is so like a, such a thing in the future. It's not something I want to do at this moment. But, you know, I, as soon as I kind of put that into the world, I started second guessing how much I was sharing mm. about myself and my life. And I was like, no, like, because this is like what the world needs more of. It's like, honest transparency from a person who has a good heart you know good-hearted people can still mess up a lot and can say the wrong things and and whatever but you know if your heart is really good and you you are behind that you shouldn't feel embarrassed or vulnerable you know or or like overly vulnerable about what you want to share you just share it let it go and however people want to catch it they will Mm. do you think that wherever you are in your mind, in your energy space, when you're sharing, impacts how it's received by people. Like those more subtle things that you put into your copy, into your photo. I think 
I try to be honest with where I'm at that day. You know, I think, especially in social media, it gets so fucked up in the sense of like, it's so curated. It's, you know, it's this like thing where you're having an emotional meltdown, but you're posting smiling photos of you with like toast. It's like, what? <laughs> like, this is fucking stupid. And so like, I mean, there have been days where I've been like, I'm having a crappy day and post a photo of no makeup and looking like a disaster and being like, this is where I'm at. And the thing is that I'm not posting that I'm having a crappy day because I want people to say, oh my God, it's going to be fine. You're strong. You're amazing. I want people to go, oh shit, I'm having a crappy day too. And that makes me feel more human and like I'm allowed to do this. And so giving people the permission to just be where they are. And so I try to create content out of whatever energy that is. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't pre-write captions. I don't draft things unless I'm working with like a brand or something and I have to. If I'm doing my own content, it is always in the moment. I usually write it directly into Instagram Mm -hmm. and I have to go edit it 19 times because then I read it back. (laughs) I'm like, wow, what are you talking about? (laughs) Or like, how do you not know how to spell thorough still you're 32 but yeah I mean I'm sure I think the thing that I've learned from you is you're so much more in touch with like where your energy is Mm. and like how to shift it and I'm just kind of like well (laughs) this is where I'm at I like don't know how to shift it besides like sweating and listening to like rap music sounds great (laughs) oh and wine (laughs) these are all things but I would I want to actually like take a master class from you in like how to shift energies without carbs or, or you alcohol. You can lay in my jade mat after we're done. Oh. We can lay some crystals in you. I'm serious, though. Have you ever had someone say something to you that you're like, I've never heard those words before? <laughs> you matter. can lay on my jade yes. mat after this. Is, if you've <laughs> never heard it, and I'm excited. Uh, great. <laughs> so, you know, one thing is, Everything we've talked about so far is so exciting and sounds like there's been a lot of organic growth and it's wonderful. But, you know, at the same time, you're a human, you need to pay rent, you need to make money, you have people helping you and your team. What was the journey like realizing, okay, this is something I can make money from and how has it been since? How have you built it up and what are some mistakes you've made and things you've learned along the way? If I could write a memoir about my journey into entrepreneurship and my journey into this is it basically would be like, wow, you need to unclench your asshole. That's (laughs) like, that would be the title of my memoir, I think, because what has been the biggest, I'll start with my struggles before we get into like how great my team is and all of that, because let's be real, we're here for that. I have realized what a control freak I am and how hard it is for me to trust other people with my baby. Thank God I do not have actual children because I think I would probably not let them go outside because I'm that much of a control freak with things that, you know, when you own your work and you live and breathe it, and it isn't just a money-making tool, it is literally part of your soul. To have someone else handle your soul, tough. I think that's why relationships are tough, you know, and are so risky in, in the best ways because you are giving someone the ability to shift what is inside of you and to play with it and to tweak it. And that's how I feel about my business because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing that you're basically saying like, here is part of like me and I'm handing this over into your responsibility. So hard, so hard. I was crappy with delegation 
I was micromanaging. I was, you know, obsessively checking things, creating so much more work for myself, which is like horrible for people that work for you. Thank God the people on my team are like, we think this is just a stage. (laughs) We think this is a stage that she's going to get past, which I did eventually. So when I first started, I was doing this alone, but I was not doing this full-time. I was running an event planning company by myself full-time. So I was working approximately probably 60 hours a week on that and 10 hours a week on it, you know, social media stuff. Then it started to shift. My passion is people. So for me, it's all the same. The event planning, the social media stuff, it is from the same passion. So it kind of all bled together. And so when it started to shift into being full-time social, and I did that just for my own sanity, because I was staying up till three o'clock in the morning every night, trying to do everything myself. And I felt myself not having fun anymore. And I was like, it isn't because I don't love this. It is because I'm overworked. And I think there's a difference. So I think a lot of people do stuff that they're, they don't love and they feel burnt out because of it. But I knew I loved it, but I, I, I couldn't do all of it. And so I really had to take the risk of saying financially, this event planning company, I'm going to take this risk on social media and building this personal brand that hopefully flourishes more than just Instagram. So while you're telling me this story, can you also kind of give listeners and myself an idea of where your community was at in terms of numbers? Yeah. So probably when I first started making money, quote unquote, on Instagram, I was probably in somewhere in like the 10 to 20,000 range. It was also before everyone had 100,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, I met, I went to a party last night and there were two like dogs that had more Instagram followers than me. I'm like, cool. Great. Glad you guys are doing good content. Cool. I mean, they're way cuter than me. they replace the dog when it dies? I don't know what happens when a dog dies, a famous dog dies. I think social media is too young to know. (laughs) But yeah, that's like really a reality check. If you want to see an animal be at an event that you were hired for the same job for, like you guys are working the same and they're probably getting paid more than you, humility check. But I kind of around 20K started making like little incremental amounts of income And then my event planning company was like flourishing and doing really well. And then probably about a year and a half ago, so it was January 2016, so a year and eight months ago, that's when it was like too much. I was probably around like 100,000 followers. January 2019, this year? No, uh, no, I'm sorry, January 2016 to now was like... I'm terrible with numbers and dates. It is not my forte. <laughs> For being like an Asian person, I should be better with numbers. Speaking of being Asian, I was shocked to find out Shanae's half Korean. Half Korean. It's crazy. I thought you were like Mexican descent or just... You know what? I think I get cast in a lot of like ad campaigns and stuff <laughs> because people are like, what the hell is she? They're like, she checks a lot of boxes. Bring her in. But yeah, so I, I kind of was like, can't do both things well. I'm doing both things very averagely right now. And I just don't like to do that. And so it was really scary to say, okay, event planning, I'm going to officially just put a pause on that. And then I hired my assistant about a year ago. I found her, she was an Instagram follower and I found her, her name's Liz and she's amazing. And so, 
such a great team member. And one thing that we were talking about how we work the other day and I was like, do you ever want to build your own thing? And what was so great and so honest, and I loved it so much was that she was like, I know my strengths are being a support role in life. She's like, I don't want to be in the front. She's like, I want to be the person that like kind of lifts the other person up. And to know that, you know, like mid twenties to like know that that is your strength and not buy into like the glamour of whatever you think you should be good at. I was like, that is why this works. Finding someone who is not passionate about being you, but is about being passionate about being themselves and leaning into their giftings has been the only thing that has really, you know, kept my team really tight is that everyone is really good at what they're good at. And what's been hard for me, but I've learned is I need to let them be good at what they're good at. And I need to go be good at what I'm good at. And I don't have to be good at what they're good at. And that's okay. But it's, that's, I mean, that took some time. What did it take for you to expand that trust? Just time, practice? I think continually, every day, putting a little bit more of that responsibility on someone else. I got management probably about eight months ago and putting all of my relationships and my contacts and my finances into someone else's hands was an extremely scary thing. And the trust of that person was so key and also their heart because I kind of basically was like, what are you going to do if I want to take a job I'm not getting paid for? What are you going to do if I want to donate all my money to charity? (laughs) What are you going to do with this? And she was kind of like, I will support you in those things. I care about those things. And so for me, it was really about waiting for that right support team, my manager, my assistant, my intern, my team to really click. And then the scary thing about handing over my finances was now it feels like I don't have control over my income, which is one of our big survival Mm. things, but relinquishing that trust has tenfold helped me. It's allowed me to do so many other creative things like podcasting or, or writing or creating better content, creating videos. Like when you're not sitting in your email all day, don't get worried wrong. I still send my email a lot, but when you're not sitting in your email all day and you're allowing people to really support you and trust that they've got it as hard as that is, it's like, it just, it frees up all the energy to do other things. But it also, not but, and it takes that leap of, you are making investments because the yes. agency gets their cut, your assistants, your team gets their cut. And it's like, once you are running a machine that has other people dependent on it, there's a much higher responsibility. But isn't it a good one? You tell me. I mean, I feel so, like, like the thing at my core is like, I believe that women should be lifted and empowered, right? So if that is what I believe at my core, what more can I do than hire women and give them mobility in their careers? And that comes with responsibility to do that. But it also comes with this like huge, huge amount of like, it's, it's, it's like every day it's like a burst of energy that I get to surround myself with people that I'm, you know, giving them the ability to do what they want to do with their life. You know, I'm giving them resources to go out and work and do things and spread their creativity. And that's so cool. Mm. Like, it's this huge responsibility, but it's also this huge gift. 
just like actually contributing to the world as you want it to be. You know, I want a, a world that like women are paid really fairly and who, you know, get jobs just as much as men do and who are empowered to start their own companies or, you know, creatively, you know, express themselves in different channels. Even like my designer who like helps me design things. I was like trying to poke around doing that. Why am I doing this? I'm horrible at this. Why wouldn't I hire someone, a young girl, you know, not like, she's not like 12 or anything, <laughs> not with crayons, but like a younger woman. Why wouldn't I hire someone to do what they're really good at? It's awesome. Totally. What do you feel like is the, the, what are the things that you worry about when you're hiring? Well, the first concern, definitely someone just wanting to be me and yeah. learning everything and then just leaving. The other one They're is, like starting an Instagram called like Lunch Criminals. <laughs> exactly. The other one is just showing everyone the inside of my business, you know, especially finances and like all the legal stuff. Yeah. It's a lot. I have one, one thing for anyone starting a business, not just like Instagram stuff, just any business, have everyone sign an NDA, not because you don't trust them, but because it's that extra layer of protection yourself it's just that's just the way it is at my my company and it's not like don't go write a tell-all memoir about me but it's more like okay I'm trusting you and I need you to trust me and this is all kind of internal Mm. so you have one of the most memorable posts of yours that really landed with me that I remember like a year later was an Instagram post on sponsored content and you know what really gets me passionate is talking about this Uh, Lately, I've been seeing a lot of people, Instagrammers and not, post things recommending products or experiences. And then in the caption, it says, this is not sponsored content. And I want to really recommend this. And immediately it creates this whole bucket of anything sponsored and paid for means it's not authentic and not good. And I don't think that's cool. And I know you have some thoughts on that. I do. I hate that too. And the thing is, I've caught myself saying it on occasion, like on Instagram, so I'll be like, Guys, this is not sponsored, but I always follow it up with, but even if it was, I would still be giving you the same truth because I think, you know, what's missing isn't a notification or a hashtag that says ad or sponsored or whatever. What is missing is trust. And so for me, I feel like my audience really trusts me and I really trust them. And I also have an allegiance to them where I don't do work with brands or things that I don't like. And, you know, I don't want to be like, I've turned down so much money and because that sounds really braggadocious, but it's true. It's kind of like the second that you deviate from that trust with your audience and go down that path, the second I have like a flat tummy lollipop in my mouth, the credibility for everything else goes out the window. You know, I, I learned a lesson. I had an, I hate the word followers too. I always say friends, but then people are like, wait, are these real friends or these Instagram friends? I'm like, they're Okay, people that are on in my community. So basically, like, I had someone in my community see that I was at an event, right? Panning around, I'm just showing a bunch of different products that I had never tried. She ended up buying one of those products because I was at that event and I, she saw it. And she wrote me several, like, probably a month later, a couple weeks later. And she said, I bought that thing and it never came and the company won't respond to me. And in that moment, I understood the serious job of influence. And 
how to, why to take it really seriously, why to be so careful about what you say and do and choose to put out there. And the thing is, she's like, I'm not blaming you. You didn't tell me to buy this. But I went directly with the, com- to the PR company of the, that had the event. And I said, you need to fix this because now my name is involved with this. And this is not a brand that I said was great. It was just something I showed, but I have a responsibility to my audience. And you need to fix this and you need to get in touch with your brand and you, they need to connect. And so it ended up getting worked out. But in that moment, I knew how serious it was when you lose that trust. And I'm so glad she had the familiarity and relationship with me to come and tell me that and to not just, you know, be pissed. But, you know, it's moments like that or it's moments when someone tries something that you've done, in, you know, an ad for or sponsor content and they're like, I love this thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And you start you know, having this rapport with people and it's so special, but you have to be so careful, you know, and I don't ever mind disclosing that I'm working with a brand, you know, because for me, I'm like, I'm working with this brand to show you something I genuinely like, but also I am making income. So then I can turn around and invest it right back into you. And I want to make you things, but there is no one in the world that goes to a job with passion in their heart and doesn't make money from it. I don't care how much you love your job. You don't do it for free. And so, you know, when people have an aversion to sponsored content, I'm kind of like, well, you know, it's not one, you can't have one without the other. You can't have all this free content and stuff if I don't have a way to support myself while doing that for you. And I want to do that for you. And, And I kind of made a case in that Instagram post about why you should always like and comment on sponsored content. And it's not because you are saying, it's not it's not a lie of like, I want to fake like this so they look good. But it is to show this brand that these are the kind of people they should be working with, people that you love and people that provide you great content. And so instead of just scrolling past, really it's more important to go and like that content or engage with that content than it is on their normal content. I'd rather you go past like a normal post and go engage or say something about, you know, a a sponsored piece of content because you love me and because you want to support me, Mm. you know, and you want me to keep making the other things. And so I I think I tried to to as eloquently as possible explain that in that post, but, you know, it did open a lot of people's eyes who were following along and they said, I had no idea. And I think when you get in whatever world of whatever you do, you get caught up in all of your knowledge and insight about your job. And sometimes you just have to share with people how you do your job. And I think this podcast is a great kind of like peek behind the curtain of what people do. But I think you have to, you know, teach people why things matter and also trust them that if you let them in to like the behind the scenes, that they're going to still love you. You know, like you don't need to hide that you work for money. Hello. <laughs> like we all work for money. So it's kind of like saying, I'm I I'm only gonna do good to you, whether it's paid or not paid, but I need you back. You know, I need your help back. And it's been so wonderful to see people be like, Do you have a code for that? I'm like, Well, no, I don't I don't have a code for that. And they'll be like, Oh, well, I just want to make sure the company knows that I bought it because of you. 
And that makes me feel so like, to me, that's like such a caring thing because it's like, I'm not just caring what I can get from you. I want to like give something Mm -hmm. to you. So, and that happens all the time. So thanks guys. If you're watching, I love you. You're so involved with your community. Yeah. You once told me on the train ride that you respond to 300 DMs every day. Yeah. Up to. That's crazy. How do you set boundaries with it? Because you share every day, right? Yeah. And it's much. really vulnerable, like we said. And, and on top of that, managing your team, brand partnerships, how do you recharge? And how do you also, when you you are in this world, as you and I are, I find it so easy to get caught up in just doing things the same way. And for me, it really takes stepping outside of that to get fresh ideas and inspiration. And for me, it also takes having different accounts to explore different right. passions I'm into and just see that. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> like, that's where I'm like, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I can like tell people like DM stuff, but like having multiple accounts, my brain would explode. Mm. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how do you do it? I mean, like, that's a lot of content. Intuitively. I don't post, I only post every day pretty much from breakfast criminals and sometimes I skip days on other ones. It's just whenever I have that content and also like the Woken Wired account, you know, at some point I, I realized that I was sharing, starting to share on breakfast criminals way more than just healthy way of living and starting your day right and intentional living. But there was also like the bigger piece of entrepreneurial journey and being a consultant and being a speaker and, and finding my own voice in the world as a woman and traveling so that's when I really separated the two. And people are really starting to look to you for that sort of thing mm-hmm. beyond just breakfast criminals. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think you're probably brilliant to separate it. I'm just like, oh, live all over there. <laughs> Hopefully everything works out. No, I think, I think separating it, I think we separate it in different ways. You're kind of separating it into content pockets. Mm-hmm. But I think because my content isn't as specialized, mm-hmm. it kind of. What, you don't make crystal grids? I mean, guys, follow my account, Crystal Grids. Sinead's Crystal Grids. There's an apostrophe in the handle. It's weird. Um, no, I, I don't know. No, that's not really a thing. <laughs> She's like, don't talk about a competing Crystal account. She's like, don't fucking do that here. No, we're sponsored by Crystal Criminals. So not a Crystal brand's allowed. We're sponsored by Crystal Criminals here at Crystal Criminals. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean. Hashtag ad. Hashtag. Not, this is, guys, this is not totally sponsored, but if it was, it'd be great. <laughs> By the way, do you know Spencer Pratt? Of the hills? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what he's well, up to? I did not think you were going to ask me about Spencer Pratt. <laughs> I mean, I totally thought you were going to feed me mushrooms, but I did not think you were going to bring up Spencer Pratt. I'm obsessed with Spencer Pratt. He just won a Shorty Award for the best Snapchat presence. He's the only person that I go to Snapchat for. And he feeds hummingbird, hummingbirds every day. He sells crystal jewelry. He lays out crystal grids. And he has his own MTV show called Spencer Pratt Will Heal You. That explores sound healing and shamanism and ecstatic dancing and all the things I'm into. What? Yep. Wait. You have to see it. This was like the drunk person that's married to that other drunk person? Oh my God. That's hilarious. Wow. Is he like cool now? I don't remember him being great. He is extremely sarcastic and he completely acknowledges how much of an asshole he was and how much he's committed to healing now, but in the most hilarious way possible. In very like real and... I hate birds, but I could get on, I could get on this train. I'll report back. She probably won't invite me to another podcast, but I'll report back at some other time. Wait, what is his? Does he? You said he has a TV show. What is it called? Uh, Spencer Pratt will heal you. Spencer Pratt and the podcast and on Instagram and everything. Yeah, you got to catch up. I saw that he won a shorty award, but I figured it was for like, you know, 
some stupid thing. Okay, so if it's not Spencer Pratt, then who is inspiring you on social media? On social media, who inspires me? You know what? I think for me, um, something that is inspiring is when brands do content that isn't self-serving. I actually like watching what brands are doing. And when it feels like when you can follow a brand and get something from it aside from just like products and when they do it really well and they create like a really clear brand voice, it scratches like my marketing self nerd person. Like I think, you know, if a brand can teach you about a lifestyle, I think it's really cool. That's not what I find like inspiring in life. Like I don't feel like ah, I can go to sleep now. I've looked at the Glossier account. Like I don't feel that way. But definitely I'm as a business person and as a marketing person from a marketing background, I like that kind of stuff. I think anyone that shares with their true voice, I love. I love when I see big accounts sharing things. And what has been especially inspiring is seeing people who used to just post really basic kind of like emoji, you know, actually start to be more vulnerable with their content. And I hope it's real and I hope it's true, but that's not for me to decide. Like, I'm not. I feel like a lot of people are doing the vulnerability thing from a strategy place. Yeah. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Maybe they are. And like, I hope it's strate- strategically like heals the fuck out of, them, you know, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Like, I think sometimes some, some tactics and things we are doing them for others and we don't realize they are healing us. But I think just like this return to, to maybe some sort of reality. I think we're all just like, okay, enough with this manufactured life. Like what is really there? And that's what I love about video because I think when we start going into the land of video, whether that's IGTV, IG Live, YouTube, I think what am, what's amazing about it is it, it's a little less manufactured. Like we're not working with like Spielberg, you know, that's going to make us look like, you know, an 11 foot dinosaur. We're like actually having to be more ourselves. You can't face tune an IG live guys. <laughs> we wish you could. Cause I mean, but look at the highlight anyway. No, I'm just saying like, I think the video thing, I think the reason people are being compelled to video is because we're more like, hi, let's be real humans. Let's be around each other. I actually want to hear you talk. How are you beyond this really filtered photo mm. with like a lot of grain, you know, mm. like, and I think that's cool. I think that's a, that's a, you know, on the one hand, yes, I get that. And there's some video content that has done really well for me. And it just feels really good. Like that creative self-expression of sharing retreats and different like trainings and workshops I've done and just like life takeaways. And at the same time, from the algorithm perspective, let's return to reality. Like whenever I post a video on Breakfast Criminals, it tanks. It's embarrassing. On your feed? Yes. I think people aren't still going to that feed for video. I don't, I don't, whenever I'm in the feed, for some reason, it's hard for me to do video, but I'm finding myself doing less scrolling through my, what is it called? Is it like, it's like your feed, it's like, no, you're scrolling through your whatever, stories. the posts. I do more, I actually have more fun watching people's stories mm. than I do looking at their posts. Mm. Unless there's, there's certain people that I think have some, are really good writers or they're really creative with their photography. And then I'm like, oh, I'll go read that. But I like seeing their face move. Like I like people having to say what they're doing or actually speak to their message beyond a photo. 
but yeah, I don't think, I don't think metrics wise videos on Instagram feeds do well, but I think it's not intuitive to click like on a video either. Mm. But the thing is, I noticed they don't reach even like similar amount of people that normal posts do. Yeah. I think it's because it's harder for people to repost. And also I think it's harder for Instagram to like put it on the explore page. I don't know. Instagram, get it together. I mean, don't do anything in my account. Don't, don't mess with my mm-hmm. reach. But no, I'm feeling that way just in general. Like half my posts are like, a lot of people see them. Half my posts, no one sees them. And I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure out. Yeah. Because I don't think there's a way to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, a very deep question coming. Ready? How has your life changed since you've had a verified account on Instagram? Honestly, I thought I'd feel much more like a person. And it turns out, you still all shit the same way, you know? <laughs> I don't actually know why people are verified. The dogs I was with last night are verified. So I think it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I, th- I mean, do you know why people get verified? I think there's things that you're told of why. Yeah. But there's also the reality, which is the, just having enough connections or money or both. See, I didn't have any sort of money connection in mind so I, I mean I definitely wouldn't have paid for it I'll just say that but yeah I don't know one thing one thing is that I've noticed is if people well this is what I've heard if people are trying to be you like impersonate you online that's a thing that of why they make those and it doesn't have to do with followers I think part of it is if people are trying to impersonate you part of it is press like if you're like known as your name I think one thing for me is I did change my name on Instagram from, I used to be Yet Fit Brooklyn. That felt, feels like ancient, but I changed my name and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it might hmm. because it's just like my name as a human. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of publications that get verified, a lot of businesses. I'll say, I don't know. I was supposed to get verified a year ago after doing an event at Instagram for them. And I've sent them all the press and everything, but I still haven't gotten verified. Send all the checks. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all the superfood balls. You have to send them one of those big cardboard checks. That's how you're, you have to get verified. You send them one of those big cardboard Isn't checks. Real? I have always wondered if you can take a big cardboard check to the bank. Hmm. I think they would have trouble putting it into the machine. Maybe request your next payment to be that. Yes. yes. I am going to put this in my contract. <laughs> so one thing I've learned so much from you on that train ride and being on the panel at the Well Summit was about rates and about aligned brand partnerships. Some things you said were just so brilliant in, first of all, really standing for content creators like yourself and owning your value and explaining the brands that the value is not just in that one hour it's going to take to create one post and yeah. end the hashtag ad, but the years of creating a community and mm-hmm. those 300 DMs or whatever a day. So Talk more about that. Yeah, I kind of always, because the the common thing with partnerships, and I I don't think this has to do just with Instagram. I think this is for any, I think this is especially helpful for anyone that's an entrepreneur or a freelancer, or you have a product to sell. So just to open up the conversation beyond just like, you know, people that do this online, but it's about the effort you've put into building something. All the, I always tell them, it's not about the hour it takes me to build the content or to, you know write my caption or anything. It is about all the messages I've answered, all the trust that I've built. It's 
about every single post that was not sponsored. It was about the time and energy it takes to really hold together a community that actually trusts you enough to buy something from you. And to build a trusted opinion takes years, years of work. And so when someone says, well, that rate seems high or whatever, it's like, it seems high for years of me pouring myself personally and professionally into something. And I think, you know, to speak more broadly, so this makes sense to more people than just to people on Instagram doing sponsored content. If you're a website designer, if you're a photographer, it's not about the the hour that you're shooting or, you know, the couple hours you spend designing the logo. It's about all the things that you learned. How much have you had to go test yourself? How much kind of like career knowledge have you had to pick up? Training, you know, being a designer or whatever. How much are you, you know, reading about what's what's on trend and what are the new techniques and all these things? And so at the end of the day, it isn't about what we make, you know, it is what we've made, you know, up until that point. It's not about that momentary thing. And so, you know, when you're selling yourself, I think it is about selling yourself, not about selling a program or, you know, a moment in time or a product. You know, it is about more of your story. And I think that people, but particularly women, kind of have trouble sometimes being able to exert that out into the world and say, like, I am worth this. And I think sometimes it's scary, especially as an entrepreneur or someone that works for themselves or where your income isn't in a paycheck every week, you know direct deposited, you're scared to take the risk of saying, I'm putting my paycheck on the line to stand up for what I'm worth. It's kind of like, how do you sacrifice or potentially sacrifice present me for future me because of past me? It's like, how do you do that? And it's really scary. And I think the only thing you can do is practice it, you know, and, and as it relates to hiring, it's also about saying, yeah, I could get an assistant for 10 bucks an hour, but what if I paid someone $20 an hour and they really gave me their focus and they felt valued? And so for me, it's not only been asking for my money, but it's also how do I spend my money on the people that surround me? You know, do I, do I nickel and dime a manager? No, because I want them to feel like I'm treating like I want to be treated by the clients that come to me. So I think it has to be a circular thing. And the thing is, is every single time I've had a job that I didn't get because I couldn't meet a rate or mainly because we couldn't agree on a creative idea that I felt like I could be behind or messaging or wording that I could be behind. Every time I have said no or someone has said, sorry, we just, we have not found an agreement, something so much better has come in place of it every time. And I've never regretted it once. There is not one thing I've ever said no to in this business that I would be like, man, I should have done that. Mm. And there are ones that were lots of money and never once did I regret it. And so for me, whenever I have that, we all have that sickening feeling when we're about to do something that we know you know, maybe we don't fully believe in, or we know we're selling ourselves short. We have this, I mean, it is deep in our soul, that, that kind of like little pit in your stomach that sits weird. And it may not be like, oh, this is like 
something I'm like completely morally against, but we know. And I think the thing that is brave and right and will serve us in the future is listening to that little pit and saying, I don't want to start making small concessions because they will inevitably be big concessions, you know, both to myself and others. Totally. So speaking of soul, I like to think of success and money as energy. And I also have Wait, noticed... can you unpack that? Yes. So there's certain things. So I believe that our external success reflects some sort of internal states. So whether it's things you need to go through on a personal development level, like of not allowing yourself to have money in your life, of not allowing yourself to be seen or have success in your life. I believe that it takes us working through these little pieces to get to the next levels of personal expansion, which ends up being reflected in our success in business and life. Mm -hmm. So what had to happen for you to get signed with one of the biggest agencies in the world to hire people to build your business to a level where you can do that? What were some things that you had to go through on a personal level? I think the humility of knowing you can't do it everything, everything alone. I think I thought that for a really long time. And to have to go through that lesson of feeling burnt crispy on the inside of having nothing left to give and my creativity was suffering. I think that feeling taught me a really big lesson about, first of all, you know, having faith in others, but also letting go of the like finances. It's like when we clench something so hard, whether that be clenching it actually with your hands or with your heart, we end up just suffocating and trapping it. And it can't go anywhere. It can't grow for us. It can't expand, you know, and it's like we have this precious thing and we're suffocating it. And so for me, it was like, okay, suffocation mode over. You've got to like breathe. You got to let go of some of your finances. I know that's scary for you because you're newly self-employed and you newly ventured off into doing social media, which feels really fucking unstable. It just is. And so for me, it was like, unclench, let some money go, let some pride go, let a lot of pride go, let humility in. And after that, I can't tell you the more I have not cared about my finances, not cared about the pride of not being able to do everything, the more my business has grown, the more people that have been attracted to working with me, and the more money I have spent on my business and have put out there, the more money that has come back. And I don't think about it. I don't know how much money I make. I don't. I don't know what my income is. I took a risk recently of moving into a two-bedroom apartment by myself. And because I needed a space to create content and I needed to have space for people to come work. And for me, that was really scary because I almost doubled my rent. And in New York City, that's a lot. And it was, again, making a financial decision, but it wasn't a financial decision. It was a commitment to myself of like, do you believe that you can have the life that this is? Like, do you actually believe that every month you will make your rent check? Do you believe that you are, you are worthy of creating that kind of work? Do you feel secure enough in yourself? And that was really, you know, I think that's a really... It was a really physical thing of signing a new lease. But in that room, I felt such a peace 
And I knew it was not only I did, I feel peaceful, but I felt brave. And I think that's like how we all want to feel is like peaceful and brave, you know? And like, the thing is, is every time I've taken these risks, it's always returned or I'm not saying it always succeeds, but I always learn something from it that was, that is vital to me moving forward. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, how do you connect spiritual risk and soulful risk and soulful things with physical things? And I think they really like, like you said, they move in tandem. Mm. It's like this idea of acting from your commitment instead of your fear. Yes. Like what am I committed to in the world? Yeah. And putting your eggs in that basket. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's funny is people think, someone asked me recently, like as an entrepreneur, like, do you have any advice? And I, and I said to people, it's like, I was always told fake it till you make it. And I don't believe that. Ask for help until you make it, first of all. And also admit that you don't know everything. And also take risks, but not because you're faking success, but because you so believe in why you're doing what you're doing. You know, like, do you believe it that much? And I think just to continually ask yourself, like, do I believe it this much? And I think that, like, that is where we personally grow. Mm. Well, I just got, like, a download of, we've been having this conversation today with Eric about our new business, Crystal Criminals. Mm. It's taking off probably faster than anything I've done. It's really resonating with people. It's really niche. And I feel like that's really the way to deliver message nowadays. Yeah. It's about crystal healing and sacred geometry and really helping people connect with their own soul wisdom and wisdom and intuition using the tool of crystals, this ancient technology that's been around for millions of years. And today we're having this conversation of the importance of being in it 100%. That's like exactly what I'm picking up. You know, I was kind of like, oh, well, is it making me money right now? I can put two hours into this and I know it's going to bring me X amount of money with all my other businesses. With Crystal Criminals, we don't have that yet. And like last Sunday, we spent 15 hours building up our Shopify and launching the website, putting up our first product. And I haven't seen a cent from that. You know, everything's going back into the expenses. And I was like, do I want to put into that? And so you sharing that got me really present. Yes, I am committed to empowering people. I am committed to art. I am committed to connection. And I am connected to connecting with people through all these beautiful tools. So Yeah, and and the thing is, is like, if everything you touched immediately was successful, there would be no growth. You would learn nothing. There would be no point. And you would hate it. You know you would hate Mm -hmm. it. Like, we don't do things because we are good at them. We do things because we have a passion for it. You know, and and like you said, I mean, success is measured in a lot of different ways. And for me, it's like, if you can check off the box when you go to sleep at night, that I did exactly what I was supposed to do today to internally check in and say, did I do something to help the world? Did I help people work through something? Did I use my talents and gifts to make the world a better place? And do I, am I proud of myself and my work? Like if you can say those things at the end of the day, who gives a shit if you got anything in your bank account? Like your bank account is fucking filled, you know, like, and the money comes after that. Mm -hmm. Like that is not, the money isn't the reward. That's like something that happens along the way. The thing is like that, the first time that someone says the work that you're doing changed my life or impacted me or changed my day or learned something like that is your currency. Gosh, I just had another moment as you were sharing, you know, a lot of people listening to the podcast are like in the conscious spiritual kind of community. 
I had a ceremony recently where I was shown my own judgment about like how spiritual I am, how much work I've done. Mm. You know, like we started and I thought like my ego was like, oh, I'm healing you with crystals. And in return, I got so healed, just profoundly healed from what you were sharing. Mm. So is this like idea that just by being present with people and hearing to each other's stories and sharing vulnerably, like that's where the fucking healing is. Totally. You don't need to be a crystal healer. Yeah, you can be wonderful. If that's crystals are great, guys. I'm sitting on an amethyst. Oh, it's under you or? I put it in my, in my leg because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to like hit the microphone or something or me do something weird because I'd probably drop it. But Maybe it's a little bit amethyst, a little bit girlfriend sharing, and a lot of just being honest. Mm. And guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening, definitely check out the YouTube video because we make faces and Shanae is the most beautiful highlighter on you. Guys, I'm wearing a men's long sleeve t-shirt, but (laughs) I do have a highlighter and some fabulous earrings on. So (laughs) I have to ask you this one last question. Yeah. It wasn't in my agenda, but I I think about it probably every single time I see your post. How the hell do you always look so stylish? How often do you do your hair and where do you get your outfits? Here's the thing. If you never wash your hair, you never have to redo it. So it always looks the same <laughs> until it's trash. No, I think what I find really fun is reinventing myself in a new way every day. It's like a creativity thing. And for me, I love, I mean, some people, you know, really like expensive clothes or they want, you know, whatever. Personally, I don't care about that. I think style is so much more important than like the, not the, we want want quality things obviously, but I don't need expensive things. But I think it's so cool when people can have a unique personal style and you can do it in all different ways. Like I'm part of your style and part of your aesthetic or even like the crystals that you have and like the things that you have and you know, tattoos and different things. And for me, it's like, I fucking love beauty products. I'm obsessed. And so for me, it's like waking up with a clean palette every day and getting to say, how do I want to express myself? And also I find that the way we present ourselves to the world is also an opening for people to connect with us and to talk with us. And so for me, I love whenever someone's like, it's a really easy thing to say, oh my God, I love your lipstick. What is it? And then you can have this conversation. And so many times in New York, I have these kind of conversations with people. And it's taught me, number one, to always be open to kind of like people reaching out. And you may not know that that person actually just wants to talk to you or needs to talk to someone that day. Like we're all craving connection. And them asking your lipstick may have nothing to do with your lipstick. And I found that more and more if like you're getting into these wild conversations with strangers just because you're open and available to have them. And secondly, it's taught me to be more comfortable, not only complimenting the looks of a woman, but also just talking to them. You know, it's like, what's that highlighter is like my gateway drug, but like just having more open conversations with strangers around you, particularly women and having it not be about competition or fear, but more about like an admiration and a curiosity about who they are. I think it's so cool. And I think it's also really good as a culture for women for us to get in the habit of complimenting each other and to like raising each other up with nothing in return. Totally. Of someone being able to say, I really like this. And you not saying, 
either brushing it off or saying, well, I really like this about you. Mm-hmm. About just being like, thank you. And I receive that. And like, I'm going to pass that to someone later. You know, I think you learn a lot about communication. And for me, beauty, makeup, style has been something that has been this like weird door opener that I never knew it would be. Cool. It's like, it's kind of like you found a secret trap door. <laughs> you know, it's like I found a trap door to friendship and it was eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to find that. Girl, ride on a bus with this one and you'll see. Maybe your thing is public transport. <laughs> Maybe it is. I think you um are the owner of 19 million Instagram accounts. I think that's I think that's your definitely am. I think that's your uh your power. Yeah. I love those moments where you're like, wait, the breakfast problems is you and this is you. Anyway, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to share? No, I'm just I'm thankful actually to like be in this space. I think I was a little nervous, not to be with you at all, but has like this person that isn't that great at wellness or isn't that, I mean, I'm spiritual in my own ways, but I'm, you know, I was like, what kind of crystal is this? I don't know what this is. What tincture is that? You know, not knowing all the things, I think, I think we're, you know, we're afraid of not being experts in what other people are experts are at. Mm. And it's a, it's a, a thing where I was like, what if I don't know the wellnessy things, you know? And it's like, well, good. I can ask, <laughs> you know, like that's the point. And exchange information. Cause I would love to learn more about eyeshadow. Yeah. See, there you go. You tell me about cordyceps, which <laughs> I cannot spell. And I'll tell you about a great eyeshadow. No, but truly, like, there was a fear of coming into another kind of community, one that feels very deep and grounded, Mm. and be like, will they like to talk about pizza? Like, (laughs) will they like to kind of shoot the shit a little bit? And am I serious enough for it? Mm. And I think it's a really good thing to know that we can all be in the same space. I think you're such a brilliant addition to the podcast with your realness. And I feel glad to be here, honestly. And I really do think this amethyst is helping. That's awesome. And I'm also relieved that you don't know how much you're making because some months I have no idea how much I'm making. No, I don't know. Okay, great. I have to look at the end of the year and be like, oh, cool. (laughs) Great. So what's the best way for everyone to connect with you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Shanae Alexander, C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander, just like it's always been spelled through history. And then I have a YouTube channel under that same name. I have a Twitter, but it's mostly politics. So if you don't like that, don't go over there. And yeah, I'm producing lots of content on IGTV and a podcast coming soon. And you have to be on it. Done. Guys, you heard it here. She's on the podcast. What's the name? That's a secret for now, but it's coming soon. So... I'm sure I'll blab about it a lot on Instagram, so you can follow me there. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.